You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. This is Saturday Morning Coffee. I am Charlie Ungamak, and this is... I'm Nick Cresson. The Vanilla Gorilla. Back at it. Um, you said Saturday Morning Coffee, which means we're going to talk about leadership today. But before we get into that, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Pastor Paul Steinberg and the Christ for Disciples Podcast. Pastor Paul is a father of five sons himself. Um, he puts together a podcast five days a week that applies God's word to raising the next generation in the Lord. So take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to ChristForDisciples.com. Oh, nope. Subscribe. You got Subscribe it. to the Christ for Disciples podcast at ChristForDisciples.com uh, or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. We're on Podbean now and a couple other places as well. So exciting things are happening. Yeah, I know, right? Good team. And YouTube, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so thank you, Pastor Paul. Blessings will keep you in our prayers. Quick extra shout out. Um, I'm a listener, daily listener of Pastor Steinberg's podcast and my morning, my morning routine feels weird when I'm not in my kitchen by myself making breakfast, drinking coffee, uh, hearing Pastor Steinberg encourage me through God's word. So it's it's a phenomenal ministry that he does. It's a good one. It's a good one. All right, today we're going to talk about leadership. We're digging through a book. You want to talk about the book? Yeah, we can do a book plug really quick. Um, so the book is The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Written by John C. Maxwell. Um, back in the day, I didn't like book covers. So I have no idea where this one is. <laughs> but the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, we're going to be diving into this a little bit today. Don't know that in this series we're going to tackle all 21. But want to hit on some ones that we feel are, are really important. This book was a recommendation for me uh, by Chris Dean. So quick shout out to Tex. Yeah, Tex. Um, I know you're doing well down in Mexico. But right now he's Max. He's not Texas he, anymore. He he's Max, Max now. now. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing mission work down in Mexico. Yeah, teaching English, and he recommended this to me a few years ago, and so it was good. To, it was really cool to dive back into it a couple of days ago, and we got this idea to uh, strike it up on the pod. So yeah, it's awesome. Um, so we're gonna go through the first rule today, which is the law of the lid. You want to talk about the law of the lid? Yeah. What is the law of the lid? So. The law of the lid in a real, real quick explanation is that a group can only go so far as the, its leader's ability to lead. Yeah. All right. So, and and not not that the leader can can't improve his leader his or her leadership capabilities or qualities, but the group is only going to be as successful as the leader can lead it. Right. Yeah. Basically a team is never going to outperform its leadership. Yeah. No matter what the team is. Yep. Um, and so we were talking about, it. we thought it was, the, I, I, I like to call it the Michael Scott paper company rule. Um, uh, because if you're a fan of the office, which we are, um, if you, if you watch the office, Michael Scott is an awful leader, but he's an excellent salesperson. And so throughout the show, um, they're constantly making like record sales all the time. They're the highest 
performing sales team in the company, um, but they're just dysfunctional on every other level um, because their leader is a poor leader. So they're great at what he's great at and they're really terrible at everything else. And eventually he leaves the company and he starts his own company. And again, they're able to what? No, I was, just, I was sorry. I was thinking back to an episode. You keep going. You're, you're on a roll. <laughs> okay, so the he goes and he starts his own paper company, um, and that paper company immediately outsells the other company that he left from, like the parent company. Um, but be, again, because of a lack of leadership, they can't be successful. They end up having to sell the company. So um, it's that that idea of you can only go as far as your leader goes. So if Michael Scott would have been a better leader. Um, he probably wouldn't have had to leave the company in the first place, and then his own company would have been far more successful um, because he didn't have a vision for the future. It was just, hey, I'm going to start a company. And when that's your whole business plan and business model, there's not really anywhere to go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the Michael Scott rule. And in in the book by Maxwell here, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, quick plug, it's excellent, Um, it, it goes into the story of the 19, the 30s? I think it's the 30s. <laughs> Quick. We can edit it. That's we fine. can edit it. No, it was 1930s. Yeah. Um, I was correct. 1930s, uh, the, the two brothers living in San Bernardino, pretty much Los Angeles, California, uh, Dick and Maurice, and they start this burger restaurant. And you're reading in the chapter, you're hearing about their success. And even inside of a year, once they started this restaurant, they uh, were splitting the, the, the profits as the co-owners of this restaurant. And each of them made like net 50, 50K. And Which for is the huge. 1930s, that's massive yep. money. Uh, so that put them in the, in, the, uh, in the financial elite almost immediately when they opened this restaurant. Um, and and that was great to to an extent, but that that was that was their lid. Mm-hmm. So the the success that they had inside of a couple of years, um, they were able to get there, but they weren't the company wasn't going to grow without a little bit more help. So that's where the well, and they, and they tried several times to open up other locations, but they correct. didn't want to franchise it, and so they didn't want to make everybody do things their way and all that kind of stuff, and they weren't successful in trying to franchise this very successful restaurant. Right. So then they got into a conversation with uh, actually an excellent customer of theirs whose name was Ray Kroc, and he was an entrepreneur who was actually making the the milkshake machines. That was his the business <laughs> he was in, uh, at least at that point in time. And he got hooked up with the McDonald brothers. This this is the the story of of how the McDonald's franchise, uh, the worldwide franchises, got started. And with with Dick and Maurice at the helm, it wouldn't there wouldn't be McDonald's in New Ulm without help from Ray Kroc. And so Ray Kroc took took the business uh, pretty much by the reins, and and Dick and Maurice were like, okay, we're we're gonna trust this guy. We're we're partnering with him, and from there, McDonald's became what it is today. I mean, I think it was into the '40s then, or not long after. I I could double check in the book, and and next time I'll have a few more details ready in my head. Um, <laughs> not long after that. They were they were branching out across the United States, and in a couple of years, in a few years, they had 
over and I mean McDonald's is what it is today, you know. 31,000 restaurants in over like 120 countries around the world. It's it's incredible. And that was because of this mindset, because of the leadership capabilities and the foresight that Ray Kroc had. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, it's all about <laughs> <laughs> they needed. They were good leaders at what they were doing, but they weren't uh, the kind of leaders that were going to take it to the next level. Um, so they brought in a leader that would and could, and he ended up making more than a fortune out of it. Yes. Um, we also were applying it to the idea of college football head coaching changes um, and the idea that uh, you have very successful programs across college football um, who are historically very successful. And a lot of times what you'll see is after a dominant coach either moves on or retires or whatever it is, he leaves the program, um, the next year you've got pretty much the same players, pretty much the same amount of talent, the same system, everything's the same except for that leader, um, and the team isn't successful for several years, and, and they end up um, having to get you know replace their coach again. Uh, because the coach wasn't quite ready to perform at that low. I think the opposite of that would be like Ryan Day at Ohio State, um, where he took over for Urban Meyer, and he clearly is a capable leader. He took over, and he's rolling, and he's you know they immediately went to the national championship game. Right. right. And you can say well, Urban Meyer built the program, but you can't take it. You can't take a team to a national championship game without um, good leadership. Right. Um, and and on top of that, there's got to be like Day's got to have enough enough qualities strong leadership qualities in order to take the reins of that program that wasn't his and lead those athletes who he didn't recruit right you know who he didn't create relationships with at least in that head coaching position before day one of camp right and, and a guy like Irvin meyer he's that marquee name that you have kids going to that university just so they can play for him and now he's gone like nobody went to that well maybe there are a few but most kids don't go to a university to play for the assistant coach they go to the university to play for that name, especially the kind of NFL, NFL caliber talent that Ohio State's pulling in. I think on the opposite of that spectrum, to go into the basketball world, you look at like Greg Gard at Wisconsin, where he's clearly a good leader and he's clearly a good coach, but it's taken a while to get back. Right. I can't, what was the last coach's name? Shoot, I forget his name. But it's taken a while to get back to the same level they were at. So they're actually projected in on ESPN polls at the end of last year to be like in the Final Four or even right. competing for a national championship. But it took three, four, three or four years to get back to that point, um, even though all they did was re- – like the system is basically the same. They just replaced the, the leader at the head of the organization. So I've got his picture in my brain, yeah. the old head coach. Yep, and he was at Platteville for a long time. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Yeah. Though. Now you guys are all gonna Shucks. hate us, but that's okay. They're not gonna hate us. Yeah, but I mean, that, like, it's a clear example of in right. sports. Like, it's a really easy picture of that. Right. Um. And and we also talked about the idea that uh, there are a lot of coaches that get to the NFL or that. So, like, Jim Harbaugh would be a good example of that. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent college football coach. There probably isn't a better college football coach in right now. You can throw out names like Nick Saban and. Dabo Sweeney, but really they're all kind of on the same level, um, at least within reason. Do you disagree with me? You agree? Um, I would put Jim Harbaugh right up there with all of them. But the point being, he yeah. he anyway, wasn't he wasn't Michigan football. He weird. wasn't the kind. Of, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> so it wasn't the kind of it wasn't the right leader for an NFL team. 
um, and they, <laughs> they had kind of an implosion at the NFL level, but he's an excellent college football coach. So the idea of at one level, you might not have the leadership capability, and, but at the level below that, you might. Um, and we, we like even Texas and, and, te- and Tennessee, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, we've seen that where you have a, like a 1AA coach or a Division two coach who moves up the ladder. Um, or even like a lower level, like HBCU coach, or like a lower think, level Division One coach, Chip Kelly. Yeah, think of Chip Kelly. I Absolutely. mean, all his success that he had at Oregon through our high school and college careers. Yeah. You know, mid two thousands to mid twenty tens, and then got to the NFL. And I mean, granted, he was with the Browns, but <laughs> so maybe that's a bad example. Yeah, maybe it no, is. no, it's 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 true. His yeah, and. Right, right. Going up, going up a level. Does does a, a head coach have what it takes? Even though they were incredibly successful, even even a big five, power five coaches, you know. Well, they won but two Rose Bowls and yep, all kinds of stuff. Like they were very successful, but at the top of the yeah. top of the food chain, yeah. Um, but. All that being said, you, of course, can learn to be a better leader. You're not stuck where you're at. Um, God certainly blesses some of us with more natural leadership ability than others. Um, But that doesn't mean you're stuck where you're at. So you're not hopeless just because you're not the leader that your organization or your team or whatever needs right now. Right. Um, And and Maxwell goes into, I mean, the the chapters are broken out into, okay, here's, here's a real world example of this rule. And the stories are phenomenal when you read them. And then this second five pages of each chapter um not broken into incredibly uh large portions in the book which for me is cool um too many words for too you. many words <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh second half of the book he, he tells tells the reader how to improve themselves and this i mean this is a book that has been read by many people looking to uh, become better leaders and and so the law of the lid says that your leadership is can only go this high at least at this point unless you're willing to put in the work and to increase uh increase your skills but you can raise the lid you can raise the lid the yeah, lid so can, as you, you can push as, the lid up yep as you increase your capability the lid will rise um, and so different people can do that at different paces and different times and different ways, um, but it can happen. So uh, we want to get into then the actual practical side of that. What can I do to actually increase my leadership ability um, to become the leader that I want to be um, as like, teachers and you know somebody going back to school to be a pastor? This is something we care passionately oh, it's about. It's, it's vital. And, th- and I think this is something that teachers, if they're not doing, they should do at the end of every single every single week, every single quarter, every single school year is really assess themselves. Okay. What did I do? Well, or even at the end of the day, all right, that lesson plan was awful. (laughs) We're scrapping it. I'm never doing that again, you know? And so, so a leader needs to, needs to really assess themselves and, and be real and not just fluff everything up. So you you have to be able to recognize your own level of leadership. Yeah. And, and you can't, and the temptation, I think, a lot of times when you're self-assessing is to be like, am I doing okay? And then look around and be like, I'm doing all right, <laughs> and then move on. Uh, but you actually need objective markers for yourself. So as a teacher, it's easy. Well, it's not easy, but as a teacher, yeah. you've got, like, 
kids' papers in front of you. Hey, look, all my kids are failing my class. I need to do a better job of teaching this, mm-hmm. that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little harder in daily life. Um, you can speak to you know, like marriage a little bit better than I can or being right. a dad. Um, but just like in relationships with other people, um, you can't necessarily judge what's going on on the other side. So you actually have to have those conversations. You need to talk. You need to ask. So Yeah, and... And I mean, any relationship, mar- marriage being one thing, or if you've got a, if you have children, you know, it's like in the last, you, it's easy to observe the last week of time, whether I think in a, in a, in leadership, in relationship, and you just see, you know what, how did, how did the last week go? It was kind of crappy. Okay. Let's <laughs> now let's think back and, and see, see what I was doing. Yeah. Specifically what made me feel this way about right. it. What did not go well? Oh, I wasn't. The communication was down or or I didn't put enough time into this relationship or this aspect of my classroom life. And and so you really need to be need to be real with yourself. And on top of that, it's important to have a partner. It's important to have somebody that you're real with for Charlie and me. Yeah. We're each other's partners. Well, we, we got blind spots, and it's really easy to yes. overlook your blind spots. So when you have, like, if you don't actively have other people that are in your life and with you, um, who are around, who see what's actually going on in your home, who see what's actually going on, you know, like in your relationships, it's really easy to just miss those blind spots. I think we can all probably think of examples of people who have just totally missed their blind spots. Um, I bet I would bet a significant amount of money that you can name your parents' blind spots. Right, oh, yeah. like the, the like your siblings, yeah, you could most definitely blame her, name their blind spots, and you don't even need to think about it. And I would, I would guess that they probably don't know that they're blind spots. And if they are blind spots, if they do know it's blind spots and they're choosing not to deal with them, that's a, that's that's also it's also an issue uh, because it just shows you don't recognize the impact those weaknesses have on the people around you. Right. Um, so, yeah. So getting back. Step one, obviously, recognizing your leadership. And I, I believe step two is having an accountability partner. Now, I believe this beyond a doubt that your accountability partner, so for me, in in life, in, in my teaching career, um, in, in, my, in my, uh, my relationship with, with Heather, you know, Char- Charlie's a guy that I'll be like, hey, did, did this is what's going on. Uh, this is what I was doing, and 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 I'm gonna be real with Charlie. I'm I'm not going to fluff it anything. I'm not going to n- only tell Charlie the half truths because if I'm doing that, then I'm not being being honest with my level of leadership. I I need to tell my accountability partner everything. I need to be 100% open and honest. Um, and and in or in order to be the best leader, husband, father coach that i can be and it's uncomfortable too yes like it's just <laughs> a really uncomfortable conversation sometimes yeah um but you're never gonna get like pain or growth takes pain uh, growth hurts and you know it doesn't always hurt but it usually does mm-hmm. um and, and if you're not willing to be uncomfortable you're not going to get better at what you're doing so when choosing your accountability partner in leadership in life whatever it is whenever you're looking to improve you need to be talking to somebody that you are you are 100% open and honest with and comfortable at least in the end doing you know it's it's gonna be like Charlie said it's gonna be awkward right away so maybe it's not even somebody you know 
Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I know there are. Well, uh, it should be somebody you know. You shouldn't just walk up to a stranger and be like, "Hey, dude, I know you're waiting for the bus, but, but it, I just want to tell you." I mean, it could be <laughs> like, it could be a, a leadership therapist, or you know, it could, so, legitimately uh, it could be a it could be a professional yeah. that you're you're seeking this from, or or a yeah, it, it's got to be somebody you're comfortable sharing everything with, and maybe for for some people that's going to be somebody totally removed from their life. Yeah, so well, a professional I mean, in that way. Yeah, I, I get that. I I, I personally I agree with you, but I personally like to like it to be people that are close to me uh, that's because they I'm have awesome. just a, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's because I don't. So like I, I like to to go with the basketball rule. So you've got your your basketball team, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm one of the five people that has instant access to my life at any time. Um, and, and it's a little fluid, you know, like, and, I, and I moved, just moved here. So the people that were in my daily life in Milwaukee aren't in my daily life now. Um, and, and Chester and Anna moved up to, up to Calgary, yeah. um, which blessings on Chester and Anna, keep them in your prayers too. But like, so they're not immediately in my, like in my space, which you weren't before either. And now you are. Right. Um, and so it is a little bit fluid, but I have four guys that I know I can call any time of day or night. They'll answer within reason. Um, you know, I can have those conversations with them. Um, and actually have different things I talk about with different dudes too. Mm-hmm. Like, and some of that is just like feeling them out and knowing what their expertise is or what they're really good at. So like, uh, if I know that somebody struggles with something, that's actually something I might talk to them more, more about because I know that they're going to have like answers and strategies for me. So like, this is a bad, I, I don't have a problem stealing, but if I was having a problem like being a kleptomaniac or something, and I knew that one of my friends has also had an issue with, you know, lying or stealing or something, and you go, dude, it's just an impulse that I can't control. That's probably the friend you want to talk to about it, um, not the guy who's never had to face that temptation in his life. Right. So I guess I probably wouldn't be the right guy to talk to about stealing because right. it's just never been part of my DNA or my wiring. Yep. Um, and each of us has to face different sins. But that's, again, a good reason to kind of diversify your friends a little bit too yeah. and build oh, those relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So in order to raise your lid, you need that accountability partner. And in your in your sharing, in your game plan of where you want to be as a leader, there's got to be a roadmap and a scaffold in order to improve what you what you're looking to what you're looking to improve. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side of that then be mentorship and uh, accountability and mentorship are not necessarily the same thing. Um, a mentor should obviously know what's going on because otherwise, not be able to really give you like if you. So we're gonna talk about different phases of mentorship. But the like a person who's being your mentor should obviously have access to your life because they're not gonna be able to speak with authority if they don't know what's going on. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're also gonna be like your intimate you know, like intimate friend or right. like confidant or anything like that. Um, it means that they can see what's going on and they can give you advice. They can help you move forward. So someone who's, it should really <laughs> for all intents and purposes, be someone who's better at it than you are and is willing to help you get better to get to their level, if you will. Um, and it should also be someone who you can actively see is growing and improving themselves. Right. Um, and so, you know, in, in in this mentorship realm, there's a couple different categories. We'd say people will be a good mm-hmm. resource, um, and then you've got you know books and conferences and and all kinds of other things, right? And even just observing the world, like you can learn a lot of stuff through YouTube videos and, and movies and right. and things like that. Um, 
I, I, this one of the reasons I actually started the podcast is because I like seeking out mentors and I was having a hard time doing it. Like, so it is sometimes difficult to get access to the people you really want to hear from. And that's one of the reasons I started this was that I could talk to men that I wanted to be like, and right. just say like, Hey, I want to ask you some questions and we're going to record it and share it with the world. Um, and it's worked. <laughs> um, I get access to some of those guys. Uh, but even just in your daily life, it doesn't have to be like somebody famous or whatever. Look around church and be like, yep, that dude looks like he's a great dad. And I'm going to walk up to him one day and just say, hey, I've noticed you've you just like an awesome dad. You're like dad goals, man. Do you mind You mind if we talk about this sometime? Let me buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, or you got, you know, you're a friend with five teenage daughters and they all seem well-behaved and you go, man, I'm really struggling with my 12 year old. <laughs> let me, let me, let me take you out for a beer sometime or let me come over sometime and just watch the way you interact with your daughters. Um, maybe there's something I can learn from you. Right. Yeah. Or even invite him over and say like, Hey, do you mind if my daughter yeah. hangs out with your daughters or something like that? And like, there's all kinds of different ways to approach that. Uh, but you have to actively seek improvement and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, really important when you're raising your lid when you're imp- making those improvements it's got to be somebody who who's in a very who's in a similar situation to you i think if you know if you want to be a better football coach and charlie and i both coach junior high football and and middle school football and it's like okay well maybe we need to we need to get involved in a high school program somehow or or being at the practices seeing how things seeing how things work seeing how the coaches are talking to their players and interacting with them. And, and then, you know what, that, that could, that could go one of two ways. You could, you could be at a practice. You could say, Oh yeah, look at, look, look at what this coach is doing. Look at how he's communicating. Uh, look at how his players are buying in. And then you want to pick his brain and emulate in your own coaching, coaching strategies. Um, maybe what that, what that person is doing, or maybe it's the exact opposite. You'd be like, (laughs) not the guy I want to talk to. Yep. Not, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And coaches, coaches and leaders, like part of the reason leaders are such good leaders is that they want to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds cliche, but it's a legitimate thing. People legitimately do want to help each other. And the best leaders and the most successful people often are going to be the most receptive to actually helping someone who genuinely wants to help. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and as far as leadership like books and resources and things go. I mean, it's a quick Google search away, man. Um, and like Amazon is great about that. Like you look up one good book that you that you enjoy, um, or you look up one good book that you've read and you've really learned a lot from, and they'll give you suggestions for other books you might want to read. Um, and I've got a few more at home that we could even suggest. Definitely, I should be suggesting next time we we get on here. Well, I'll be back. We'll we'll do an, <laughs> we'll do another chapter. Um, yeah. So if and if you guys want to wait for that one, we'll we'll be ready with with some recommendations yeah, we can make some recommendations yeah, for sure yeah but just seeking out opportunities to grow being intentional about it um and then there's also frankly a portion of it that's just not trying too hard almost you know like if your entire focus is on performance and not on relationship you're not actually being a leader correct oh in in leadership the relationships are the most important thing well, i think relationship leadership is relationships right right yeah in the classroom, nobody's going to care how much you know until they know how much you care, right. you know? And and then you create that you create that uh, that relationship and then somebody is willing to let you lead them and to really buy into to to the team, to the classroom uh, philosophy, um, to to the to the family lifestyle, you know? And and 
maybe maybe a maybe a dad's having trouble with with his teenage son and and if if you've watched the if you've watched the uh most recent season of last chance you thinking of thinking of dior with his dad and, and yeah. that awful relationship that he had yeah. through his childhood with with a father who didn't know how to lead and and you can, you can see as yeah, it goes he's through still demonstrating that fact he's demonstrating yeah. it but he, but he knows yeah. he knows he messed up but he's still not sure how to make the improvements in order to regain that lost relationship pretty much at this point so again yeah those relationships are are are, are just so important in, in getting get getting someone to buy into yeah. your leadership don't care how much you know until i know how much you care all right amen awesome you can find me at uh gird up underscore b underscore a underscore man on instagram or on facebook i'm on facebook nick crescent and that's all we got for you this week yeah we'll be back sometime soon rock on go be the man that god created you to be see ya Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.